A young man would start his first day at his first job as an adult. It would be his last. If you're interested in workplace, construction, and industrial-related accidents, failures, or insane stories, then this is the podcast you need to be listening to. So do us a favor. Weld, grind, or cut that subscribe, or like, or follow button, whatever it shows, which means click it and follow us. So you can be notified when we upload a new episode, which will be once every week. To help make someone else's day safer. Share this content. Hopefully, someone out there can hear these stories, and it will inspire them to slow down, speak up, pay closer attention to, change, or even bring to a halt certain circumstances on their site at their workplace that are possibly creating dangerous or fatal situations. Also, we'd like you to know, it's very important, that Terror on the Clock is brought to you by our good friends over at RHTC. For over 20 years, RHTC has provided training for mobile cranes, overhead cranes, forklifts, aerial work platforms, rigging, signal person, all that stuff. OSHA requirements are in the forefront of the training at RHTC. This ensures that their instructors are qualified in the most current and relevant regulations and standards. Now, RHTC offers CCO prep courses in the following. Fixed cab, boom truck, lattice boom, articulating boom loader, rigger level one and two, signal person, service truck, swing cab, articulating boom crane, tower crane, and I'm telling you, all the training and testing, written and practical, can be accomplished at their awesome, comfortable, new facility. Okay? We can also, they can also accommodate off-site training and testing if, if it's absolutely necessary to you. Here's another thing, though. This is a great thing. RHTC also provides periodic and frequent inspections of cranes as required by OSHA 1910 and 1926 subpart CC, as well as their friends, you know, ASME at the B30.5 standard. RHTC provides inspection services for all cranes to ensure that they meet the requirements of OSHA and ASME, okay? You don't want to mess around with OSHA and ASME. It's not good, all right? They go, I say all the time, they crawl up your butt with a microscope, trust you. But anyway, they do... Uh, they do these inspections using trained, qualified, certified personnel. Crane and hoist inspections include chain falls, monorails, overhead cranes, portal cranes, tower cranes, come alongs, jibs, dock cranes, pillar cranes, mobile cranes. Had somebody ask me the other day, you gotta you gotta inspect come along. Yeah, man, it, it's lifting. It's holding a load. It may not be quote unquote holding it over your head. But it is holding the weight of something. You hook it, come along to to this, you know, this eye bolt, and you hook it over here to this eye in this concrete, and you start pulling. That's a load. You gotta, you need to inspect these things, man. We need to make sure that we're doing everything we can do to eliminate hazards that could possibly hurt 
our crew, ourselves, our crew, or somebody else. And that's what uh, my friends over at RHTC do. I'm telling you, they're the best there is. You're not going to find anybody better. I'm telling you, give them a call. Area code 318-330-9000. Again, area code 318-330-9000. You're going to be happy you did. Hey, if you can't call them and you want to just find out about them a little bit before you do call them, Go find them on that World Wide Web thing. Okay. Uh, www. I can't believe I used the www. But whatever. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> so go find them. RHTCINC.com. Again, RHTCINC.com. 318-330-9000. And as they've said before, the hard they can handle quickly. The impossible may take a little longer, but these guys are top-notch. They're the best. Give them a call, 318-330-9000, or check them out, rhtcinc.com. Okay, guys, let's do it. Let's get into today's terror. Warning, the following contains stressful subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Terror on the Clock. Here is your host, the one and only. Godspeed, guys. I'm your host, Kevo. Hopefully, we're getting to know each other very well. Hopefully, you love me as much as I love you. Uh, now, warning, today's terror, I, I would say, is extremely heartbreaking. So, if panic attacks or anxiety, if, if these are things that, uh, uh, you know, these kind of stories are, are inducing of, you know, for you, then please, please, listener discretion is advised. I would also like to add in that if you're listening to this while you're driving or whatever and you have children in the car, again, listener discretion advised, you know, some of this subject matter may be much for them. I, you know, obviously I'll leave that up to you as the parent. So this week's episode uh, of Terror on the Clock is about a young man Um so on August 16, 2012, Lawrence Daquan Davis, who went by his nickname Day, started a brand new job at the Bacardi Bottling Company in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, this facility in Jacksonville bottles all the rum that Bacardi sells in North America. <clears throat> Before starting his first shift, on August 16, 2012, Day was shown a 15-minute safety video. Now, before we go any further, I feel it's important that we get to know Day's history a little. I think it's going to add a ton of context 
to the story. And unfortunately, I feel like the detail we learn of day is what's going to make this heartbreaking as I, as I said before earlier. So, um, Day graduated from a military-style high school in 2009. After his graduation, he enrolled in Job Corps. Now, what Job Corps does is they help young people from lower-income backgrounds, and they help them with free career education, vocational training, etc. Now, it's what a heck of a program. Because, I mean, I feel like we all agree not to ever get into anything political, but, but we, if we give young people of all backgrounds, the tools and the knowledge to go out and earn a living and work, the sky's always the limit, always. I believe we live in the greatest country on earth, and initiative goes a long way. So if we can help provide those tools, I mean, a young man or woman can can do anything they set their minds to. So, um, during the time at Job Corps, he was training as a medical assistant. So, during his tenure uh, at Job Corps, uh, he worked hard, he studied hard, he kept his head down. I mean, Day was a, just what a good young man. Completes his Job Corps time and immediately begins applying to numerous hospitals, medical facilities, etc., now, unfortunately, a major issue was it's a catch-22 in life, but he was inexperienced. It's kind of like when you're younger, if you're married, not whatever, but, but like for my wife and I, when we were married younger, and we talked about like wanting to buy a house, you know, or wanting to buy a car or something of that nature. You know, we'd go see somebody and, okay, what do we got to do? Well, you want to finance it or you want to pay cash? Well, no, we don't have cash. We're poor. And, okay, so we want to finance it. Okay, well, let's run your credit. And then you run your credit and say, well, you don't have no credit. Right. I, right. I don't have no credit because I've never bought anything. But if you let me buy this, I'll, I'll have credit. And so it's that, you know, that, that which came first, the chicken or the egg, that conundrum that sometimes life stupidly presents to us. So he did his training applied for all these positions, but he didn't have experience. So after a couple months, and he applied to a lot of places, Day decides, you know what, I'm going to join the military. However, in his entrance exam, he failed the math portion. Now, Day knew he could retake the test. like he, He knew he could retake it. But he also knew he needed a little time before he retook it. He wasn't just going to go back up the next week and take it because he wanted to take time to study or be tutored in order to retake that entrance exam so he didn't have to do this over and over and over. Like, okay, you know what? I know where I need to improve. I want to improve in that area, feel 100%, and then go retake it. I bet we've all been in situations like that. Okay, so uh, he's not the first. He's certainly not going to be the last. Now, like so many other people in our country, in the world, whatever, 
He needed to make money now. So he needed to retake the entrance exam, but he needed to study, get tutored for it. In the meantime, he needed to make some money. I mean, he's been trying to get a job. I mean, this kid is, this young man has not been sitting around doing nothing. He is trying to get a job and a job that will lead to a trade. You know, this young man, not that there's anything, anything wrong with working at a convenience store or a grocery, nothing. I'm just saying that wasn't his plan. His plan was to get into something that would lead to a future. So now Dave's mom lived with his mom. Okay. Now she was the mom of four children. Dave was the oldest. She was out of work. And unfortunately, they had no father in the picture. So there was no one there to help be the man of the house, the leader of the house, if you will. So they obviously, uh, and I say obviously, that you don't know this, but having read and researched this, it, yeah, I say obviously, they had so much admiration, love, and respect for his mother. He was the type of young man, like he wanted to be the guy, the man that his mom looked at and said, look, look, I mean, he handled things. He, he was the man of the house. He took care of us. He, he was the leader. He wanted his mom to be taken care of. So as the oldest Day's mindset was, I'm going to do whatever it takes to take care of my mom and obviously my siblings. So until mom could get a job herself and get back on her feet, it seemed like she was raising him right too, but because, you know, he had, he had the ambition to have a work ethic. I mean, wow. I mean, the, kid was the young man was non-stop wanting to do better so like a lot of people when you're applying for different jobs here and there and and you know there's no experience or whatever so a lot of people will turn to a temp agency now i'm sure you all know what a temp agency is but what we're going to do for context just in case is going to kind of explain to you some details about it that i feel like are important to this story Now, a temp agency, they hire people short-term for a direct employer. So let's say, for example, that I have a company called Acme Construction. And I do hiring for a job through a temp agency. So I got this job. The job's only going to last about a month and a half, two months. So instead of me employing several people and then having to lay them off you know, in between jobs or whatever, I would use a temp agency. I would pay them a fee. They would hire, uh, say, Day, someone like Day. Day would come in. Now, you know, again, mine is, you know, like the, the, the particular quote-unquote you know, company I, you know, family own is a construction company. The jobs last a month, month and a half at a time, and then there's a gap between the next one. Some places have seasonal work. Some places have, uh, you know, busy time of the year work. 
Some places have, um, you know, they're they're short staffed uh, uh, because you know people quit or sick. You know, during the COVID nineteen pandemic, there was just quite a bit of this kind of stuff going around. But so they decided to go to work for this temp agency. Now, one thing that's extremely important to note for this story is that if you're hired through a temp agency, your your workman's comp insurance is covered by the temp agency. See, it's not covered by the direct employer. So let's say I'm that, you know, I'm Acme Construction. I use the temp agency. They go hire Dave for me. Dave comes work for me. If Dave gets hurt, it's on the temp agency. It's not my uh, uh, responsibility or or my uh, uh, financial burden to to handle that. So obviously, if your temp worker is a, is a a ticket taker at a movie theater, this is no big deal, right? It, it, I mean, what is the liability standpoint of of, of a ticket taker? You know. However, if your temp employee is helping you drive pylon, well, that may be different because there's inherent dangers in every aspect of a of a large construction pylon job. Okay, <clears throat> so it's that's I feel like very important to the story, and I feel like sometimes what will happen is when when temp agencies hire employees, um. For the direct employer, the direct employer knows that they don't have the financial burden of workman's comp. And if something, if somebody gets hurt or, you know, they're not going to be without. I mean, really, all they got, if somebody gets hurt, they just take temp, we need somebody else. They, I mean, bam. They don't have to go through this long hiring process to get somebody to fill it. So there's not a lot of, uh, there. there's not hardly any liability on the direct employer it's all on the temp agency so um on the morning of august 12th day receives a call that from the temp agency that he's being placed as an employee at the bacardi bottling company in jacksonville now they tell him it's it's that morning when they call they say hey you need to be there at 2 45 p.m for your safety training, and then uh, immediately following your training, uh, w- once that finishes up, you're going to start your first shift. So Day is ecstatic, man. This 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 young man is so pumped. Like it's his, this is his first real job. Like he, obviously, young guy, you know, graduated high school and then went to Job Corps. Um, you know, I, I think he had you know done little things here and there for work, but but never on a payroll, on a staff, at a plant, like, quote-unquote, big boy job. So he's very excited. Remember, he wants to take care of his mom. He wants to take care of his siblings. Doesn't have father in the picture, etc. So Day calls his mom and, and just, you know, says, Mom, I got this job. I start, you know, 245. Listen, is there any way you can run home, get me, take me to Walmart, I need to buy, you know, steel toe boots. I need to buy jeans. I need to buy gloves. Um, I need, if they have safety glasses there, you know, just, just, just requirements 
of of factory type uh, setting, you know, white t-shirt, etc. So mom is ecstatic as he is. Yes, son, I'm there. Absolutely. I'll be there to get you a little bit. So uh, mom goes, gets day. They go to Walmart. They pick out his outfit. They get all his stuff. And from there, mom takes day directly to Bacardi. So uh, at 2.45, he has shown a very short safety video. 15 minutes to be exact. No more training was given today. He didn't receive any more training. It was a 15-minute safety video. That was it. So his title, for paperwork purposes or whatever, uh, would be warehouse clerk. Now, what a warehouse clerk did at the Bacardi Bottling Company was any odd jobs that needed to be done that didn't require, quote-unquote, skilled trade experience. So, you know, it, it, you didn't have to be an engineer. Um, you didn't have to be, uh, uh, you didn't have to have experience like they, you know, was running into with his job core training you didn't have to have that i mean he may you know unclog a toilet he may clean a bathroom he may sweep up a mess in a break room you know he may wipe down just windows i mean they just whatever it took that was you know labor type work not quote unquote thinking type work and again that's not that's not to say that Day was an unintelligent young man because he wasn't. He graduated from a military high school. He was a very smart man, but he was inexperienced. We've all been there. So um, after his safety training, um, and he, he goes, he, you know, he clocks in, he goes to his safety training, and uh, the, the supervisor comes, gets him, and, you know, he's like, hey, I want you to head down here to this bottling line. He pointed. He said, I want you, you know, there will be a template there to show you what the labels on those bottles should look like as the bottle comes by. I want you to stand there and watch them to ensure they're all correct. Okay, no problem. <clears throat> so before Day went to that bottling line, Day stopped in the restroom. Day went to the restroom. He relieved himself. He came out. He washed his hands. And this is important because there in the restroom, he took a photo, a selfie. You know, I don't know how many of us have done or not done. I'm just standing in front of a mirror, take a selfie. And he sort of was commemorating like this was a big day in this young man's life. I mean, he wanted to help his mom. He wanted to help his siblings. He didn't have a dad. Like he was going to do whatever it took to be the man of that family. So... Wait till I add this little tidbit in for you. I hadn't said this yet, but here we go. So he takes this photo and he sends it to his mom and his fiance. Yeah, they was engaged. So very excited. Both of them text him just how proud they were of him. You know, how good he's going to do. You know, the sky's the limit for day, you know, because he freaking wants to. Because he wants to. He wants to bust his ass. He wants to do better. He wants to be something. 
So they're right. Sky is the limit for that. So he takes the picture to commemorate it, puts his phone away, and bam, goes out to the line. He starts watching the labels on the bottles. Now, there's a section in this factory where Day wasn't working at the time, okay? And this section of this factory had palletizers. Now, what, what a palletizer is, <clears throat> so there's a platform. It's got a pallet on it. This platform raises and lowers. You know, it raises and it's got all these bottles come off this line and they stay. They, they, if everything's going well, they line up perfectly on these pallets. Once it's loaded, X amount of bottles are on it, the platform will lower that pallet. Pallet will be moved off. Empty pallet go on, raise platform up, same process over. So uh, the palletizer, just to, to, so you can try to picture, it's kind of a two-story piece of equipment. Now, 90% of what we're going to call the upstairs, you know, part of the palletizer is catwalks, right? So, and the catwalks is where the operator can, can kind of roam back and forth looking at the process where those bottles come in off the line and they start lining up on the pallets, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just kind of a, a great viewpoint to kind of watch everything as everything's operating. If you see something needs to stop, you can hit your emergency stop or your stop button, whatever the case may be, et cetera. So, um, <clears throat> so the first floor of that palletizing uh, area is where the rum actually comes in and gets stacked on the pallet, as we explained. So, now, like anything else, you know, it only takes, you know, uh, um, you know, it's like if a floor is unlevel, you know, it only takes a quarter inch unlevel for water to run downhill, you know, if that much. But, so, all it takes is for one something to be a little out of line, and then things start getting stacked up and backed up behind it, and what may happen is bottles may start coming off the line or coming off the pallet and busting and shattering on the concrete floor. So it, it would happen on occasion. It's just part of, it's just a necessary, quote-unquote, evil of, of, uh, of plant life. You know, not everything like that's going to be perfect. Factory work like that, it's, it's, it's you know, it's mundane, it's repetitive, etc. But part of the repetitiveness is there's going to be little nuances like that. So, um, on occasion, bottles bunch up, begin to fall out of line, smash the floor, etc. Now, they would need to be cleaned up, especially if they're underneath the platform. The platform can't go all the way to the ground if there's a bunch of glass underneath it. So about 90 minutes after Day had taken the selfie in the bathroom, sent it to his mom and his fiance, um, his Day's area supervisor where he was watching the labels said, hey, palletizer one or two, whatever number it was, operator called overhead, needs somebody to go down and help him with a cleanup. So Day, yes, sir. Man, he takes off. He is, I mean, now, when Day gets to this area, there's, of course, 
survey, no audio, but there's surveillance footage like most factories would have, of course, in case there's an accident or a problem, whatever. Uh, there's surveillance footage, and Dave, when he comes into the picture, you can see the energy and the want to do good. Like his body language is exactly what I, it matches what I explained a minute ago. It is, I want to do good things in life. I want to please people. I want to make an impression on my first day. So he goes to the palletizer, comes in the picture, and he's like, gung-ho, ready, ready, you know. So you see Day reporting diligently, and you see the operator of the palletizer pointing to an airy. Again, no audio. And you can tell, I mean, you, literally, you can. It's easy to tell that the guy's saying, you know, like, get down there. And and he's like, he's even making a sweeping motion. Like, it, it doesn't take, you know, you just kind of go, oh, he needs to clean something up, sweep something up, etc. So, <clears throat> day walks around the area, begins working. Not long would pass, a minute or so. And day would come back around to the catwalk in view of the operator. And on camera, you can see Day pointing, like, kind of scratching his head. Unsure. You can 100% see the body language. He's pointing, and you can tell he's saying, that area. Are you sure that area? Now, no audio available, but you can also clearly see the operator's body language. And it is, I don't have time to go over this with you. I don't have time for you to ask a lot of questions. I don't have time for you to, why are you questioning me? Yes, get down there and clean that. <clears throat> so Day would obviously kind of pause. And, and again, you can see just by his body language that he's unsure if what he's fixing to do, he's supposed to do. But, Day wanted to make a great impression. Remember, I'm not trying to be so repetitive, but remember, Day had a family, a mom, sibling, he wanted to take care of. He wanted to be the man of the family. I'm going to go down there and do this and make a good impression. So, they don't have any time for Day's questions. Get down there and do it. So, Day gets down there does it. It, appear, it appears to be a tense interaction that finally Day just succumbs to, takes the orders, does his talk. Now, on footage, you clearly see him kind of disappear, knowing that he went back to that little area where he was told to work, where he had come from and said, are you sure, like, are you sure that area? You know, when he first went down there, reappeared and was like, you sure that area? He went back to that area. So now, Day is surveillance footage unseen at this moment so after a few moments you've got a supervisor and the palletizer operator standing up on the catwalk after 30 seconds or so they decide to turn the machine back on yeah unsure of what this new young man 
who had only been shown 15 minutes of safety footage. Unsure what he was doing, where he was at. Day's not in their view. But you know what? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Production, 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 production at all costs. Turn it back on. Turn it back on. And within a few moments, seconds, there is a scream heard. At which time, the operator, the supervisor, they run to a vantage point where they can view why somebody screamed. They could see the area. And they clearly saw at that time that it was day that had let out that scream. The glass that needed to be cleaned up was under, directly under the elevated platform that had atop of it a pallet loaded full of bottles which weight, when loaded, was about 2,000 pounds. So you had 2,000 pounds of bottles, pallet, and whatever the weight of the aluminum, stainless steel platform that it set on. Now, they would need to stomach crawl in order to get that glass up. So that's that's the clearance between the bottom of that platform and the ground. So Such a little clearance that they would need to stomach crawl. Imagine you're in an elevator shaft. And the elevators, you're you're in you're like you're in the basement part of the elevator shaft where the elevator is about to rest on the floor. It's 15 inches or so up above the concrete floor, the base of, of the shaft. And you crawl up underneath it, and someone then lowers the elevator down to make contact with its final resting point, which is the concrete floor. Only you, you are between the concrete floor and the bottom of the elevator. Imagine that. That's what happened. That same scenario is what happened today. So when the operator and the supervisor, they get to that vantage point and they can see, oh my God, it's, it's this young man who, the operator probably didn't even know his name. Was never even introduced. Like it wasn't like, hey man, how are you? But you know, hey, look, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know, man. We want to be, be helpful. Good luck to you, man. We hope you do well. We'll, we'll do everything we can do. To, 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 to set you up to succeed because we want to see everybody succeed. You could tell via video, it was not that. It was 100%. Get your ass down there and get this done. So the operator, supervisor, they spring into action and they try to reverse the platform action that they had 
sent it in when they turned operation back on. Only it wouldn't work. So then they run down the stairs and get a steel pry bar and they begin to try to pry the platform up. It didn't work. When emergency crews did finally show up and were able to override the unit and have the platform, which had the pallet and bottles, they were able to override it and get it raised up. It was too late. 90 minutes, 90 minutes after Day took a selfie in a bathroom and told his mom and his fiance, look, I did it. I'm doing it. I'm going to take care of us. 90 minutes. I want you to picture this being your son, your son-in-law, your grandson, your brother, your dad, your friend. 90 minutes after he took that picture. They would be... They would be killed. I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine. It's hard for me to imagine what goes through a man's final thoughts when, when he gets under something, you could clearly see via body language that he didn't feel like he should have done, like, you sure here. So I, it's hard for me to imagine what's going through his mind as he's crawling under there other than, man, I want to do good. I want to provide for my family. I want to be, I want to be the man that we've always needed because I don't have a dad in the picture. Like, imagine those thoughts. Those were probably his last thoughts. He probably didn't have time to think anything. The sheer shock that something was pressing against him probably gave him zero time to understand what was happening to him. And with, you know, three siblings, a fiancé, and a mom who he was busting his ass for, to help her get back on her feet. Imagine those phone calls that had to be made. Day one. You know, under two hours into the start of his first shift. Do you want to be the person that has to make that call? Do you want to be the person that has to explain to a fiancé, a wife, a little brother, a little sister, man. Do you want to be the person to have to explain to a child that this is what happened to your dad? This, this is, this, this is, this is, we messed up so badly. Like, imagine looking into the eyes of a child and thinking that. 
You got to tell that child that. Think into yourself. I've got to tell this child. Somebody's got to tell this child what happened. As I say time and time again, I'm going to be repetitive. I don't care if you like it or not. I believe that we can talk about tragedy to prevent tragedy, and I believe that's what it takes. But I also believe, other than that, the most important thing we can do, whether you're just an employee, whether you're a project manager, whether you're a supervisor, a lead man, a lead woman, whatever it is, you have got to always be a step ahead of everyone else. And then you have to... Make sure that you're training your staff that way. That you're communicating with each other. That you're eliminating hazards. So let's talk about those hazards. What could we have done to eliminate it? I, now, I'm going to tell you right now. I know the first thing you're thinking, which is exactly right. This could have 100% eliminated every single bit of this. But that 15-minute safety video, it did not cover lockout, tagout. It didn't cover that. It didn't cover that procedure. It didn't, it didn't tell Day, hey, if you have to go in here and work on something now, you're supposed to go to a supervisor, give them a lock. They lock it out where the equipment can't be operated. And they take a key, they lock it up, etc. That video didn't show any of that. I don't know what the video showed. But if I'm willing to, if I'm a betting man, I'm saying it's probably showing, you know, wear your safety glasses, no horse playing, don't be on your phone, do what your supervisor tells you to do, lift with your knees, etc., etc., etc. Have a good day, we got to get going. Money, 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 money. If I'm a bad man. 15 minute safety video didn't cover lockout, tagout, which would have completely, completely prevented this whole thing. Hey, I know it's a pain in the butt, but dadgummit, if you got to get up under the clean, hang on. Day, while we're locking out, let's get to know each other. Son, how old are you? What you want to do with your life? Blah, blah, blah. We're going to lock this out so nobody can operate this thing while you're under there. Whew. It, it, nope. Here's another thing. I've seen this before. You know, fraternities have this thing called hazing. You, you, you know, you know, where they do things to... You know, people that are wanting to become members, etc. I've seen that on construction sites, but not necessarily where they do, you know, like painful, cruel things. But they treat new people like second-class citizens. Like they're absolute morons, like they have no worth at times. Like I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes that, you know, a new person, well, well yes, they probably ask extremely stupid questions. Been in and around construction 25 years. I've heard some stupid questions. I get it. I get it. But weren't you that person one time? And weren't, didn't you not know anything at one time? And if you say, no, I've always been smart and been that, yeah, the, the, you're the type of person that won't work around. But, but weren't you that person one time? Can't you take a second? 
And remember, when you were that person, how'd, how'd that feel, man? You know, when you were treated like you're some criminal, like like you go to ask a question and it's and you just talk to like you're you're talked down to. Why are you asking this? Who are you to ask me questions? Get down there and do what you're told. You know. I think there's a time and place for that. I think there's a time and place for, hey, 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 stop asking so many questions. Let's answer them later. But I, think, I still think you can do it tactfully. Um, you can do it respectfully. And still get your point across. And you know what? The guy, the operator, Silver, they had plenty of time. Because they shouldn't have got up under there. Because we should have done lockout, tagout. So they had plenty of time to answer his questions. Because I'm assuming before a plant like that does lockout, tagout, what they're supposed to do is operator, supervisor, the guy going in there doing the work, come together and go, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going over here to this, this panel. We're going to turn this off. We're all going to put our locks on it. We're going to lock it. We're going to lock those locks up, those keys up. Because you're going to be going up under there doing stuff. Any questions, you know, we, we're going to stand there with you. We're going to make sure you do it right, et cetera, because we got the time. Now, I'm not saying we need to get down there and read a book and 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 and, and call our aunt, you know, who lives in another state. Now, I'm saying what I'm saying. But, you know, it's not, we've got to get, look, production is so important. Of course I know that. We all know that. But what's even more important is that you cannot have production if there aren't people there to perform it. You know, I bet calling emergency services to override that unit and have to raise that platform up and see days, lifeless, deceased body. I'm willing to bet that shut down production. Maybe it would have been a hell of a lot quicker if he just, you know, talked to the guy respectfully, did a locked out tag out, you know, made him feel like, hey, you can ask me anything. You know, I, 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 sometimes I may I may tell you, hey, don't worry about it. I'll, I, we'll talk about it later, but I'm not, I'm not being a jerk. I, I just sometimes, you know, as I've said in every episode I've done, sometimes, day we're going to have what we call urgency with a purpose. Where we're not running around like bulls in a china closet. No. We're moving at a fast pace, but with a plan, with a purpose. I, I say that's urgency with a purpose. Not just urgency where everybody's running around, nobody knows what nobody's doing, and stuff's falling and dropping, and everybody's making everybody nervous, and everybody. 90 minutes after the young man takes a picture, sends to his fiance and his mom, he's dead. And how easily this could have been prevented. Now, I believe the worst part of this story is that a young man lost his life. Of course. I believe the worst part of this story is that a young man loses his life and a fiance loses a fiance and a mom loses a son. And as we all know, Life is not supposed to work that way. God does things he does, and don't question it. I don't anyway, whatever. But 
we all feel like parents shouldn't have to bury children. As someone, as someone that has held their son that is no longer here. We shouldn't have to do that. But are we doing whatever it takes to make sure that's the case? Are we doing whatever it takes to make sure that moms don't have to bury their kids, that that husbands don't have to bury their wives, that wives don't have to bury their husbands? Are we doing it? Or are we just cowboying it, running things by the seat of our pants? I ain't going to hurt nothing. Get down there. It's been 20 seconds. I don't see him, but it should be long enough. Run that thing back. You know, is that what we're doing? I hope not. Those are the worst parts of that story. But this, to me, is a slap in the face. This right here is is absolutely... So... Bacardi was fined $192,000. However, when corrective measures were put in place and shown that they're put in place and implemented, then the fine was reduced to $110,000. What safety measures? It's called lockout tagout. How in the world Bacardi got away? With a hundred ninety-two thousand dollar fine reduced to one hundred and ten, when they put lockout tagout procedure in place, that's what they did. To make matters worse, Day's family was awarded from Bacardi two hundred fifty thousand dollars for wrongful death. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars is what his life was worth. Now, granted. We don't have to get into those specifics and and give our opinions on this. And yes, a mom that was struggling with three kids, yes, she 100% could use that $250,000. And I don't believe in being litigious. I don't believe in just suing people for the sake of it and dragging things out and costing people tons of money and so forth. I mean, that's, that's not my MO, never has been, there will be. But the man's life, I guess, was valued at $250,000. To this day, the temp agency had zero fines uh, put forth to them. And again, to this day, they are still sending temp workers to the Bacardi bottling factor. Um, I hope they're doing more than a 15-minute safety video. I hope they are doing a day's worth of safety training. I hope they're doing, hey, your first day is going to be four, six, eight hours of walk around, you know, safety, you meet people, no names, understand what each day, you know, been too easy to do that. Too easy. Guys, let's do everything we can do to prevent hazards. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're doing this, because we want to prevent a hazard. We don't want you getting hurt. We don't want you 
having an employee getting hurt. We don't want you to have to tell someone that their loved one, their child, their son, their mother, their daughter, their husband, whatever. We don't want you to have to tell them, hey, they're not coming home because of something we did of cutting corners. Or Remember, when we work out in construction, in an industry, in a lot of different workplaces, job sites, etc., things are dangerous enough as it is. Let's not ourselves be a hazard. Let not our stupidity, our laziness, our complacency, let that not be the biggest hazard. If we're a hazard, if our actions become hazards, we need to be gotten rid of. If you're going to work fast, as I say all the time, urgency with a purpose. I hope Day's family is somehow, um, I hope somehow they're at peace and, uh, you know, God bless them and God speed to them. And I, I'm sure, as, as I know, that, that pain never goes away. So, um, okay, guys, uh, remember this episode of Terror on the Clock is brought to you by our good friend over at RHTC Incorporated. Now look, I'm going to tell you something. I've told you once, I'm going to tell you again. These guys are, and I say guys, I shouldn't say that. These men and women are top notch. they got a hell of a managing, an office managing staff there. I mean, for your questions, for your billing, to get accounts set up, to share information with you. you know, and, and that's the thing, and, and I'm not just saying this. You get a friendly voice. <clears throat> you ever call somebody and, and you, hey, I got some questions about your, your, your services. Just call back. I don't know when they'll be back. I don't know. Bye. Man, I don't want to use people like that. Call these guys over, and men and women over at RHTC, telling you they're happy to help you. They want to help you. They want to earn your business for your, CCO prep training, all your cranes, rigger one, two, signal person, and soon, remember, telehandler forklifts. So if you've got an extender reach forklift, if you've got a forklift and the boom telescopes in and out, that is fixing to fall under the guidelines of the CCO, okay? So you're going to have a certain time frame that you've got to get your operators certified, they have to go through this federally mandated program, and this will be one that RHTC offers. So I'm telling you, give them a call for your training, your inspection, consulting. You want to talk to them. I'm telling you, you're going to be happy you did it. The best in the business. Uh, we're talking an accumulative uh, working age of over 150 years. I mean, the experience in that building is stunning. And they know what they're talking about. Trust me. Call them. 318-330-9000. RHTC Inc. 318-330-9000. Or you can uh, find them on the, 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 you know, the interweb stuff. You can find them at rhtcinc.com. Again, rhtcinc.com. Tell them, hey, Kevo 
with Terry on the clock, said I should call you guys. You do that, we're going to work out some sort of discount. I promise you we're going to do something, all right? We're going to do something. Tell them. I heard about y'all from this podcast, man. Here y'all are good people. Do that, and uh, we'll work something out. All right. Uh, remember, don't be a hazard. Don't be the reason that something is hazardous. Love you guys. Thank you. Share this. It takes a tragedy to prevent a tragedy. That's what we have to do. Um, Happy New Year. I know this is a couple days before the New Year, so I want to say to you and yours, have a safe, happy, healthy, fun, blessed New Year. And uh, from all of us here at Terrell on the Clock, I'm your host, Kevo. Much love. Godspeed. Stay safe. See you next time.